smile a little bit. Can you do that? Everybody seems tense this morning. It's the house of God. Let's enjoy it. Amen. Let's have a good time to gather around God's word. Like I said, I am a pastor in Southern California, Moreno Valley. Where is that? Let's see. You guys know where San Bernardino is? It's kind of next to San Bernardino. We don't want to be qualified as San Bernardino, though, because that's like, that's that's the rough area, okay? Moreno Valley is next to the rough area, all right? We're a suburb kind of of uh, Riverside, 250,000 people, a uh, good-sized town, lots of commuters down into Orange County and that kind of thing. I've been the assistant pastor for 16 years and then the senior pastor for the last six years there, and uh, God is blessed and just put his hand upon us, and I'm just glad to be here. Your pastor and I went to college together back in 1940, a long time ago. I love him, and I we lost track of each other a little bit, and then the last couple of years continued to communicate, reconnected, and then in 2020 when everything kind of just fell apart, anybody with me on that one? Everything just went, the whole world lost its brain. Um, we started texting and talking and crying and laughing and we just need and just need somebody to vent on anybody need somebody like that now and then somehow he became that guy for me and vice versa and we just started sending dumb memes to each other anybody that's a good that's a way to start a good friendship and and it just been a blessing and then uh, a couple weeks ago he called said he was going to be out of town and if i'd come be able to come and cover and I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be anywhere they, where they don't throw tomatoes at me. So I'm grateful for this place and your pastor, Kyle and Cammie. I told the Sunday school crowd, if you miss Sunday school, shame on you. You need to be here. Sunday school is where you get that, that okay, this is like the, the, the dessert course, okay, right here. The Sunday school is where you get the meat and potatoes, okay? So you need to be here at that 930 service and be a part of that, get involved and and we talked about forgiveness, and that's, anybody need forgiveness? Anybody need to give forgiveness? Yeah, both of us, both hands up. We talked about that this morning. It was good. Marcus, I appreciate you just filling in, handling it, and I forgot the pianist's name already. Thank you for doing that. And John back there running the sound booth. We're glad to have you here this morning. If you have your Bible, John chapter 20. We're going to jump into the Word of God. John chapter 20. Ray, could I ask you a favor? Could you run and get me a glass of water? I am a little, I just got a little <clears throat> this morning. And Ray looks like a guy who knows how to get some water. Amen. Appreciate that. John chapter 20. What am I forgetting? I feel like I'm forgetting something. Let's pray. That's a great idea. What was your name? Victoria. Victoria thank you for that. Let's pray. Father, I come before you this morning grateful and thankful to be in your house. Lord, thankful for a safe trip up here and thankful for this church, Shadow Mountain Baptist Church, and the good testimony it has had for their pastor. What a wonderful pastor they have, Pastor Kyle and Cammie, Lord, and their family. Lord, I pray you bless them as they're away. Lord, I pray they have a good time refreshing and rejuvenating and relaxing and, and just time with their family. And Lord, might they come back ready to be redeemed and ready to serve you, Father. Lord, I pray you bless them. Lord, I pray you bless this service, Lord. We need your Holy Spirit upon this place. Lord, without you, this is just a gathering of people with no, no real use. Lord, we need you to be in the midst this morning for your Holy Spirit to work and move and do what only you can do, Father. Lord, there are so many things in this world and in our hearts and lives that need help and change. 
And those things can only come by you. And Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would work and move this morning. Guide and direct in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's read very carefully John chapter 20 and verse 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came, sorry, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had said so, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. What an incredible thing that God would be in the midst. Do you see that verse there? Verse number number 19 in the middle there. It says, They were assembled. Fear was upon the Jews. There's been a lot of fear in our country today, hasn't there? Over the last couple of years, some some honest fear that was probably need, needed to be there, but then that fear is multiplied into all kinds of craziness. But it says, Jesus stood in the midst. Why are we gathered here this morning? What is the essence of our faith? Why aren't we at the lake this morning? Why aren't we... Well, we can't afford to get there, amen? But but why, why aren't we... Why aren't we... Just at home, taking it easy. It's our day off. Why aren't we there? Because we need to be in the house of God. What is the essence of our faith? What is the bottom line of our faith? I understand. I don't know much about this church, but I know this church has gone through a lot in the last couple of years. Why are we still here? What are we doing here? How can you simply define faith and the body of belief that this church represents? Jesus had risen from the dead. The disciples were gathered in the house. They were behind locked doors. Jesus walked through that locked door in the midst. He's in the midst. Hello? Jesus is in the midst. If you talk to me a little bit, give me a little amen now and then, we'll get out of here before everybody else gets out of church. You can get to the buffet or wherever you're going quicker. But if it's quiet, I'm going to preach long. I'm just going to keep going and going and going, okay? I like that. That's good. That's good. I like that. He's in the midst. You could say this was the house, the first house church that was ever there. Jesus is there. The resurrected Lord was with his people. He's in the midst. And we're we're here today in a similar situation. We're in the house of the Lord. And today the Bible says where two or three are gathered together, he's where? Is he here today? Well, I don't know. I'm saved and I, I love him and he's part of my life. And I don't know about you, but if there's two or three of us here today that love Jesus and are saved, then God said he's here. And that's part of the reason we're here today. The phrase, in essence, of our Christian faith, Jesus is in the midst. That's the essence of who we are. Jesus is the midst of my life. Jesus is the midst of your life. We need, he is the principal thing. Anybody? It's the major theme of the Bible, Jesus and God and is eternal, and has always been, he has always been in the midst of everything. At creation, Jesus was in the midst. 
Exodus 8.22, I am the Lord, I am in the midst of the earth. Deuteronomy 23.14, For the Lord thy God walketh in the midst of thy camp to deliver thee. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're in that fiery furnace, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Where's Jesus? In the midst. As a babe, Jesus was in the midst of the shepherds and the wise men. As a boy, he was in the midst of the doctors and the theology and the temple. As God, the Holy Ghost, Jesus is in the midst of his people. Together, we're gathered together. He's in the midst. And John 18, they crucified him and the two others with him on either side. And Jesus was, hello? He's in the midst. He's in the midst. As a lamb in the revelation, Jesus is in the midst of the throne of God. As our recognized Lord, Jesus is in the midst of of his church. And on the evening of the first Easter Sunday, he stood in the midst here, this story that we're reading, in the midst of his disciples. That's the word we don't use a lot. Midst. I have a little bit of a lisp. Have you noticed that? Go ahead, laugh. Go ahead. I sound like Sid the Sloth. It's okay. It's what God gave me. I'll work with it. Amen. In the midst. What does that mean? It means in the middle. He's the middle. Think about a bicycle tire. Can you do that? Everybody got a picture of a bike? I was going to bring one, but I couldn't fit it in the car, okay? Bicycle tire. You have that bicycle tire. You got the tire, the tube, and the rim. And then you got the spokes, right? Spokes. And then you got that thing in the midst. What's that? The hub, right? The gears and the bearings and all that. Here's what happens, Christians. We add Jesus to our life like he's a spoke. That's what Christianity today is about, honestly. People go to church and they church does not change their life. They just something they add, something they do. Does that make sense? Do you see it? Christians that come and never change. They don't they're just it's because Jesus is a spoke. But Jesus isn't the spoke. Jesus is not the spoke. He's the midst. He's the middle. If they can have gay pride month and that's the middle of everything, then why can't I have Jesus as the midst of my life? I can. He's the middle. He's the hub. He's the thing that holds everything together. Without him, there is no wheel. Without him, there is no church. Without him, there is no life. He has to be the middle. And when he's not the middle, let me just say this, the the wheel falls apart. Things become problematic. Does that mean that life is perfect all the time? No. No, not at all. But when he's in the midst, it doesn't matter. The wheel seems to keep spinning. But when he's just the spoke... It falls apart. It's going to go flat, as it were. I wonder this morning, is he in the midst of your life? Is he the middle or is he just the spoke this morning? I want him today to be the middle. If you walk out of here this morning challenged going, man, I need to keep him in the middle. I will have been a success this morning. That's all I'm asking. is for you to think about tomorrow when I go to work, is he the middle or a spoke? When I go to school tomorrow, is he the middle or the spoke? When I go to vacation this summer, is he the middle or the spoke? When I watch TV tonight, is he the middle or the spoke? When I look at my phone and get on any of that social media stuff, is he the middle or the spoke? I can tell you if he's the middle or the spoke by what you're looking at, what you're watching, where you're going, what you're doing. If he's the middle, boy, things are different. If he's just something you add to your life, you say, Pastor, what are you talking about? Well, do I like to wear a shirt and tie? Does anybody like to wear a shirt and tie? No. Nobody likes to wear a shirt and tie. Nobody. Do you have to wear a shirt and tie to be 
Oh, godly. No, you don't. But I do want to represent the Lord well, especially on his day. Because he's the middle of my life. Does that make sense? Do I have to curb my language? No, I have freedom in Christ. I can talk however I want to. But because he's the middle of my life, I'm not going to. Is there anywhere as a Christian that I cannot go? No, I can go anywhere I want. I have freedom in Christ. I can do anything, go anywhere, whatever I want to say. But because he's the middle, there's definitely some places I am not going to go. There's some things I'm not going to say. There's some, you know what I'm talking about. You with me? If he's the middle, it changes you. But if he's just the spoke, you don't have to change. You don't have to. He's just an addition. He's not an addition. Christ is key to life, the key to a great life, the key to fellowship in the church. He's the key to witnessing and preaching. As we assemble in the house of worship, our deepest desire is that Jesus will be in our midst. Guess what, church? He's in our midst this morning. Come on, he's in our midst. If he's here, if you're here and the Bible is true, do we believe in the word of God? Then he's in our midst. There are some people who have no room for Christ. There are others who have some room for Christ. Jesus deserves every room. Every room. There's not a, a part of your life that you can say, no, this isn't for Jesus. When you do that, the Bible calls it backslidden. Right? The Bible calls it away from God. The word midst comes from the word middle. That's why it's used as an illustration of the spoke and wheel. We all have different compartments that we make up in our lives. We have work and school and hobbies and families. And many today make the mistake of him being just the spoke. But he said, everyone, we should be, he should be the hub. No Christian can be spiritual, powerful, and growing unless Jesus is in the midst. Jesus in the midst, first of all, will make us peaceful. Anybody need a little peace in their life? First of all, turn off the TV. That'll help. Just turn off CNN and Fox News and just go to the mountains and come to church. You'll have more peace. Can I just say that? I left on Tuesday. We had a pastor's event at our church on Tuesday. Tuesday afternoon, I took my son up to Bishop and went backpacking for four days. I haven't turned on the TV since then. I have no idea about the election stuff that just happened. And you know what? Peace. There was no cell reception. About halfway up, it was amazing. My kids were like, I was like, go catch some fish. Go get dirty. Break a leg. Come on. Get out there. Fall in the leg. It's okay. Get eaten by a bear. Your mom won't know. It was awesome. It's still awesome. I hate tonight. I'm sure I'll turn on the news and go, oh, I should have never turned it on. Amen. You want peace? Look at verse 19 here. It says, where are we at? Matthew, right? Matthew, no, John 20. John 20 and verse 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for the fear of Jews, Jesus came and stood where? That's better. That's better. Good response. I like that. And saith unto them, what? When Jesus is in the midst, there's what? Boy, can you imagine if Jesus stood right here in this room? He walked, opened that back door. He walked in. You could see his hands and his side. Ooh, there would be peace, wouldn't there? 
He's here today already. Isaiah promised in verse 20, chapter 26, verse 3, that will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on Fox News. Is that what it says? Whose mind is stayed on thee, the word of God. Philippians 4, 7, and peace of and the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You want to have peace? Your heart and mind have to be on Jesus. It pieces peace that passes all understanding. That doesn't mean giveth. It says, and the peace of God which path passeth all understanding. Passeth. What does that mean? I can't even say it. Passeth. It doesn't mean giveth. It means surpasseth. Surpasseth. There we go. Surpasses. I can't say it. In other words, God's peace goes far beyond, far beyond what we can handle. Are you with me? Can, can his peace go far beyond what we can handle? Yeah. Have you ever considered what blessing it is when we occasionally have a problem pile up on us? You say a blessing? Yeah, because God can solve it. It forces us to have peace that passes our understanding. That means I have to, by faith, trust God. I don't understand how it's going to happen, but when my mind is stayed on God and He's in the midst, I don't get it, Lord. I don't like it, but I'm going to trust you. And that's called the Christian life, living by faith. That's moving forward. I'm not delighted about troubles that come in my life. Anybody? No. But when they come, we face them with Jesus in the middle, and that puts me in a place of faith to grow. It gives me the peace and understanding. When we finally realize that we can't carry the weight of the world on our shoulders, we've taken the first step to being less worrisome, and it brings peace in our hearts that surpasses our regular... Um, the backpacking trip, we all had those big backpacks, you know. I'd go as light as I can. Who needs socks and underwear, man? Just nothing. Just, I need six camping meals, a stove, and a bed, baby. That's it. I'm not carrying it. I made Ian carry all the heavy stuff. Yes. That's why you have 15-year-olds, eh, man? We had Nick, what was that? the youngest guy with us, 12, and his backpack was as heavy as mine. I'm like, that's crazy. That's crazy. And his dad's like, come on, let's go. He's got a good dad. Halfway through, his dad went back, and Nick was 12-year-old. He's 12-year-old, and he's this big around, man. He's Light wind will blow him over. I mean, he's just nothing. Not like me. But he's just right there, and his dad goes back and starts having a little pity on him because he's dying. You know, the altitude and the weight. And, and he's kind of, he's not a whiny kid. He's a pretty tough kid, actually. But he was like, uh, and his dad came back and got his, his sleeping bag and put it on his pack. And that's what God does for us. And that's a great thing to see, isn't it? When you go, I'm dying, I'm dying, I can't do it. But you're still moving forward and you know God's in the midst. And, and the Heavenly Father looks down on you and goes, okay, I got this. Ever been there? Hey, he's got this. He's got this. He knows exactly what's going on in your life. He knows exactly. And when we have our minds stayed on him, the peace, when he's in the midst. If you don't have peace this morning, he's probably not in the midst. I can't believe I said that. Sorry, forgive me. Just kidding. He's in the midst. 
If he's not in the midst, there's a problem. There's a problem. When Jesus is in the midst, there's peace. Number two, when Jesus is in the midst, it makes us joyful. Could you lose a little more joy in your life? I'm not talking about fleeting happiness. I'm just talking about long-term joy. Look at verse 20. It says, Then were the disciples glad. Do you see that? That's almost crazy to say in that verse. Then Jesus were, then the disciples were glad. What an understatement that must have been. Can you imagine the scene? They went from the depths of despair to the heights, to the heights, and like that, in, in a moment. Jesus is dead, and now he's in the midst. Woo! Wow, that's a roller coaster ride, isn't it? And if you think they were appreciated, they were they were there with him three years in life, and they had joy, and then all of a sudden he's lost, and then he's back. That's like. I got four kids and a wife. All of a sudden, my wife is gone. And then three days later, she's back. Hallelujah. I can't raise four kids by myself. I'd be in trouble. I can't even cook mac and cheese. Let alone raise three kids to be back. Jesus is gone and now he's back. Talk about understanding. Glad, joy. Jesus being in the midst makes us joyful. Yeah? It does. Jesus used the phrase, be of good cheer, over and over. He used that phrase. He spoke of forgiveness in the past, Matthew 9, 2. Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. He spoke of uh, companionship for the present, Matthew 14, 27. Then came their ship walking on the water, but straightway Jesus spake unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. When Jesus is there, don't be afraid, have joy. Is Jesus here today? Is Jesus in the midst of your life? Then let's have some joy. You don't understand, Pastor, the world's falling apart and things are difficult. Who's in charge of that? If Jesus is in the midst, who cares? I'm, I remember the story of Job. Hello, that guy had lost everything in a minute. One right after another. When those servants started coming up, the second or third one would be like, nope, you're done. Get out of here. I don't even want to know. Right? But no, Jesus is in the midst. It's joy. It's peace. It's possible. Jesus in the midst is peace, it's joy. I love this one. When Jesus is in the midst, it's useful. Anybody want to be useful? Boy, I do. Boy, I'm not the smartest guy in the room. I'm not the tallest guy in the room. I'm the best looking guy in the room for sure. Not even close. Nothing. I got nothing. But if I could be useful, if I could just be useful, I always said, my dad always said, if you can work harder than the next guy, that's all you need. Or longer than the next guy. And that was my goal. I'm not the smartest. I'm not the... I can't do all that stuff. But I can stay longer and work harder. I can I can rub my hands down on the bone and not quit. I'm not going to quit till it's done. I want to be useful. Useful. Look at verse 21. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me. Even so, send I you. But we get to be useful. Last night we were at Red Robin. Family family meal affair there. High-end, high-dollar meal there. Met the waiter, Brandon. I invited him to church right here, Shadow Mountain Baptist Church. I didn't have a flyer. I said, it's over there somewhere. Google it, yeah. That's useful, isn't it? I was hoping he'd be here today. He's not. But you know how that goes. 
invite somebody, 99% of the time they said, yeah, we're going to come. But I still have a, I have a command of God to go and tell others. Boy, more than that, a command. I, I mean, I hope the command gets you out of bed and gets going, but I hope the, the burning in your heart, the desire to see people's lives changed, to see a difference in their life. And there's programs and plans from the government all over the place and helpful or not. Some, maybe, maybe not, I don't know. But I'm telling you what, God in their life will change them. Useful. When he's in the midst... Let me pause. Do you remember when you got saved? Did it change your life? Yeah, let's not forget that. Let's not forget that moment when... God forgave you of your sins and he came into your life and he gave you that peace and that joy and then that command that made you useful. Boy, if, if I, I don't understand people who live their whole lives and make it to 80 and they have a pile of money maybe, well, what do they really have to show for their life? Their kids are a mess in jail or whatever. I don't know. But I want to live for eternal things above and beyond. We're able to be a mouth that speaks for Jesus in this world. Okay, let's not forget to speak. Everybody else is speaking. Let's let's be speaking. The truth in love. Feet to run the errands of Jesus. Hands to do the work for Christ. A heart to love people like God loves people. Let's be more specific. We need mouths to invite people to Shadow Mountain Baptist Church. God's going to do something here. God is doing something here. He's in the midst. Let's be a part of it. Let's not be ashamed of it. Let's go and say, He's in the midst. He's going to be here. He is here. Let's do something. We need mouths to open and sing His praises. We need... Marcus did a great job today, but maybe somebody better than Marcus could do it. Sorry, Marcus. You just got demoted just like that. Bam. We need the mouth to speak the truth in love, to help encourage us fallen brother, to tell a child about Jesus, to teach. There's probably some weeds on this probably that need to be pulled. Anybody? I'm sure there is. That's our job. I get to be useful. Ray said he did roofing and he does handy stuff around here all the time. I'm sure he could use a helper now and then. Pastor, I don't know. Just don't think about it. Just go do it. When you think about it, you overthink it. Anybody? Just get involved. Just go. I'm going to do it because it's for the Lord, and it'll bring you joy. You'll go, man, I'm exhausted, but look at this stupid smile on my face. Trust me, that's the way it works. Every single time. Jesus said, so send I you. So send I you. We need feet that will bring us faithfully to church and open this Sunday school, and God will be in the midst in the midweek service. We need hands that will work on the property and clean and fix and play and instrument and operate puppets. And I don't know what else you all have got going on here, but somebody's got to dust something. It'll help. Let me give you an illustration of that this morning. Anybody know what these are? These are work gloves. If you don't know what these are, and you're under 20, shame on you. Shame on you. This right here. This, These are Sissy Lalo ones. I forgot my good work gloves at home, so I had to run to Target. Get, who gets work gloves at Target? 
Not a real man, I'll tell you that. I'll tell you that right now. So I had to get these. These are not even used. Work gloves. Yeah, I take it back. I like that. If I had, if I said to these gloves, gloves, I want you to pick up my Bible. Let's try it. Gloves, pick up my Bible. You know what? I didn't teach him. It's my fault. My fault? I'll teach him. Okay. Right right hand. Grab with thumb underneath and then four fingers over the top. You see that? You see that? Is, is that right? And now, pick up the glove. You guys think I'm nuts, don't you? I am nuts. Mr. Glove, I know you can do this. He needs encouragement. You could do it. You could do it. You are strong. Look at this good leather. You're a good brand. You could, you're a wonderful glove. You can do this. No. Will anything happen ever? No. Because the glove is powerless. Correct? The glove is empty of life. I could say to the glove again and again, pick up the Bible. Bob, the glove will never do it. Never do it. Love, glove can never do it until until the moment I put my hand in the glove. And then my hand is in the midst of the glove. And the power is there now. And now, whatever I can do, the glove can do. You might even say, the glove, if the glove could speak, it might say, I can do all things through hand which strengtheneth me. Does that make sense? I can do all things through hand which strengtheneth me. You are the glove. Christ is the hand. But there is one difference. When Jesus Christ found you, you were a dirty, good-for-nothing glove. You were to be tossed out and to be cast out and trodden under the foot of men, the Bible says. But when he found you, he redeemed you and cleansed you and made you whole and fixed the holes in the, in the love. Have you ever seen gloves with those holes in them? And that one, that the ratty part on the end that gets there, good gloves like that, those are the ones you want, though. Those ones are worked in. Those are the ones that know how to work. These ones are stiff. And, but God found you and he said, you're redeemable. And you're worthy and you're useful. And I can make you. These gloves are only really worth anything when they're being used. You know where these gloves are going to sit? They're going to sit in my garage until I can't find better gloves and go get these ones. I'm going to use them anyways. Right? But they're better than nothing. You say, Pastor, I'm not worth much. God can still use you. I'm worth a lot more than you think. Then maybe God can't use you. No gloves or some gloves. I'd rather have some gloves than no gloves. Humble yourselves before the mighty hand of God and he'll use you. I want to be used of you. He redeemed you. He made you. He cleans you. And he makes you useful. Jesus is recruiting. Jesus said in Isaiah 6, 8, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then he said, Here am I. Shout a mountain Baptist church. Here am I. Send me. Isaiah was volunteering and the idea is that we need to volunteer. Jesus is recruiting. Many Christians say, Hey, I go to church. 
and I give my tithe, here am I, send someone else. Shame on you. It makes me wonder, is Jesus in the midst? Or is he a spoke? He's something I do on the weekends. Something of tradition. Something that's been part of my life for however many years and I just don't know how to stop it. I'd feel guilty if I didn't stop it. No, let him be in the midst. Ezekiel 22.30 And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Why won't why won't we allow ourselves to be sent? Because Jesus isn't in the midst of our hearts and our thinking. He isn't the hub of the wheel of our life, but just a spoke. When Jesus is in the midst where we have peace, we have joy, we have usefulness, and I already alluded to it, we really have power. Verse 22 says, And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye what? The Holy Ghost. Receive ye the Holy Ghost. The power. Pastor, I don't know how I could do that. I know how you could do that. Let Jesus be in the midst. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. The Bible is written by inspiration of God. It's God-breathed. It has power. You have power. You have that same breath of life in you. Without God, there is no peace. There is no joy. It eludes us. What is the bottom line of our faith is what I asked at the beginning. How can you simply define our body of faith and beliefs? Is Jesus in the midst? Father, I ask that you work in hearts and lives today. Do what only you can do, Lord. I pray that this church will pause and remember that you are the midst of this church. You are the midst of their life, Father. Everything that we say and do, is if it's without you, you're just a, where he's, Jesus is just a spoke. But with you, everything in the midst becomes powerful and peaceful and joyful. And just exactly, we can do all things when you're in the midst. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand. The piano will begin to play. We're going to have an invitation. If you would stand, the Lord is working. We have an invitation here. You could come forward, come to this altar, and ask God to work in your life. Are you, is he, in the midst?